everyone and welcome to this episode of the separation is in the preparation podcast today i'm really happy to be joined by sebastian elney seba what's up man how are you how's it going thanks for having me happy to be here let's get started in these topics of course man super excited to have you on so to start could you just introduce yourself to the listener and then talk a little bit about uh, what you do yeah so um i'm sebastian elney i was born and raised in south florida um I have the opportunity now to be going into my third professional soccer season. Um, it's been my lifelong dream. So right now I'm just kind of living the dream and riding the wave. Um, I went to the University of Maryland. I graduated with a criminology degree. Uh, I bounced around a lot of high schools. I went to four high schools, um, all in chase of the dream, really. And so now I'm here and enjoying it. Right on, man. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned it right there, like that uh, that playing professional soccer had kind of been always uh, always been a dream for you. So do you think like looking back, obviously you had lots of experiences in high school and stuff like that, but were there other things that, whether it was mentors, relationships, or other experiences that you feel like kind of consciously or subconsciously prepared you uh, to be a successful pro? Um, I mean, I've always, I've always been told I kind of have a knack for business of some sort and just being in that sphere of, I don't know that's fear of life. And so I think right now, um, you know, as a professional soccer player, kind of a, really an entertainer, you're in the entertainment business. And so kind of marking myself as um, an entertainer and hopefully I get to use that later and I'm using it now and just, yeah, just enjoying the wave really. For sure. No, I think that piece of not only being an athlete, but also being an entertainer is, is an interesting one because there's a line that you kind of have to walk between being sure of yourself and confident and being an advocate for yourself and your abilities, particularly when it comes to negotiating a contract or finding a team. But I also knowing you, I also know that you're like a really humble down to earth guy. So I guess can you talk a little bit about how you try and walk the line between advocating for yourself and your abilities, but also staying grounded and true to who you are. Yeah. Um, I think, very importantly, I think just sticking to yourself and being you is, I mean, it's the easiest thing to do. So when you are kind of conflicted on how you want to be perceived and what people are looking at you and what you think of, I think the best way is to really be you and the people that like it are going to run with it and the people that don't are going to want to run away from it. And you got to kind of have to let them deal with it rather than worry about what they, what they think or what they want you to be. Yeah. No, that's really well said. I think that uh, that authenticity is key. And again, knowing you, like, not only do you preach it, but you also practice it because you're one of the most authentic dudes that I know. Um, yeah, bro. So I guess it'd be cool just to start if we could kind of dive into your kind of high school youth experience, because I know there were some really cool opportunities that happened from you. So maybe if you want to kind of walk the listener through what that sort of the latter stages, I guess, of your youth soccer um, career were like. Yeah, so I started playing, um, I'd say I was about a year late than the rest of the kids. So I would say I started playing when I was five. I started playing like organized um, AYSO, recreational soccer. And most of the kids had started when they were four. And so I was a year behind. And when I first got there, obviously I wasn't caught up to the game yet. And I wasn't quite sure what was going on out there. And I was having a tough time out there. And you know, my dad and I still talk about it to this day. Um, when I realized that I wasn't as good as other kids, I kind of 
buckled down as a little five-year-old kid and was like, all right, let's put this work in. Like, let's get to the trenches. Like, there's got to be somehow a reason to, there's got to be some way to get better. And so right. after every practice, we would like stick around and I'd just be passing around the ball and like passing around the ball, training, just getting touches on the ball and just trying to become better. And so, I mean, you could tell by the, as the improvements came, it kind of fed into it more. And so I kept on training. And by that next year, when I was six, I believe, I got already started staying out as, you know, special. And it is at a really young age to, um, I don't know, just for my dad, at least, to see the things I was doing, he could kind of tell that I really had a, a knack for it and I really enjoyed yeah. it. So he's, um, he's definitely a big reason why I'm here. And I, mean, I, have to th- I can't thank him enough for everything he's done for me in my career, but. No doubt. Um, yeah, and so from there, playing recreational soccer until um, probably about like seven or eight. When I turned eight, uh, the recreational AYSO program made an all-star team. And so we would still practice with our recreational teams, play recreational games, but then sometimes on like weekends or you know special weekends, like holiday weekends usually, we'd go to tournaments mm-hmm. and we would just – the best players from from whatever the program would go around go to these club tournaments not do the best because now we're playing travel teams that are seeing each other every day train with the best players every day and so um but we definitely had a way of making it work and just kind of i think that's where i've developed a bit of my like grittiness and scrappiness just from kind of always like being an underdog and being a unexpected we'd pull out results against much bigger clubs clubs with more money and better players and we'd pull out results and uh some clubs in the area started taking eye of that and to my I guess ability at the time and so when I it was going into my high school year so now we're fast forwarding elementary middle school just playing like club soccer or yeah recreational soccer um high school or middle school soccer. And I think the transition from my eighth grade into ninth grade and going into high school was probably the biggest year for me in terms of my career and where I am now, just because I had switched schools. I had gone to the same, um, same private school from kindergarten to eighth grade. And so going into my freshman year of high school, I went to a a pretty prestigious like private high school that I had the opportunity to go to and it was a big soccer school like a renowned soccer program um so that was happening and in the club side and the travel soccer side I was switching clubs as well and so I was leaving my recreational team to go to one of the bigger travel teams in the area called Boca United and so both these changes were happening at the same time so I was leaving along basically all my friends hmm. Um, being a new kid on a new team and a new school is tough. Um, and, you know, when I was going through it, just kind of what helped me, kind of helped me stay sane and know that I was doing it for a reason was sac- and the sacrifices was that, you know, the payoff in the end, like the hard work payoff in the end, the sacrifice payoff in the end. And so I, um, I, when I got to Book United, it was about, and throughout all of this, I mean, I'm training hard. I'm, right. I'm doing whatever it takes. Like I'm trying to be the best player on my team, of course, the best player 
in the county, best player in the region. Like I'm trying to be, become the best I can. I'm playing soccer every day. Um, waking up early in the mornings, going on runs, going to whatever club practice, and then getting home and just kicking the ball against the wall for hours on day, just not even thinking of it, just enjoying the process really. And so when I finally made the switch in ninth grade, about a month into, or two months into my time with Book United, um, there's a game that I actually had a sprained ankle. Um, and we were playing a game down in Miami, so about an hour away. And, you know, my parents wanted me to, like, obviously uh, heal up and, you know, let the ankle rest and get back before I can, uh, resume playing and came back to playing. But it was, like, a big game. We needed points, so they at least let me you – know, my coach and I convinced them to at least let me go down with the team um, just to be there for support. And I managed to, you know, stick my cleats into a little backpack you know, just in case if anything could happen. And of course, with, you know, 20 minutes left, like it's a big game. And I just couldn't, couldn't sit on the bench anymore and told my coach, like, hey, I'm fine. Like, you can trust me. Like, let's do it. And so I went out there on this, like, sprained ankle, um, played for maybe 20 minutes. I think I ended up getting an assist. And this is at, like, a random field in Miami. Um, I ended up getting an assist, played well. Didn't think anything of it. And then about maybe a week later, I, things started happening really quick. A week later, my um, my coach told me that there was a, like a youth national team scout at the game. And that he saw, obviously, he saw that I only played a little and that I was injured. And he saw, and he said that if this is what he could do when injured, I want to see what he's like when he's healthy. And so from there, I mean, kind of turned on a roller coaster that I'm still kind of on in a way. Yeah. Uh, he, I got called into a camp. Um, a few weeks later, I got called into a camp, I think three or four days into the camp, ended up getting a concussion. So out for, out for the rest of the camp, um, you know, kind of thought my, I blew my, blew my shot. Yeah. Um, the next, whatever healed the next the next camp I had a decline because I had a hamstring injury that I pulled off in a high school soccer game so now I'm like dang I really lost my shot <laughs> like there's no way I get a chance now um but like thankfully you know just kind of sticking to the process and just you know continuing to grind really helped me so about I want to say in the summer of my freshman year yeah, so the summer of my freshman year going to my sophomore year, we um, there was another camp in Mexico. So that was my third camp, got called into it. Thankfully, had a good camp, scored a goal, scored my first like international, youth international goal, um, which is definitely a big thing for me at the time. You know, within three months, I went from recreational soccer to scoring a goal against Costa Rica. So I mean. Thing, I was kind of uh, looking back at those kind of an out of body experience. And a lot of these things were yeah. things I was kind of disassociated with at the time, not really realizing, just kind of play and, you know, not mess up. <laughs> but yeah. um, I think so in this Mexico camp, we scored against Costa Rica. And at the camp, there's like rumors that. Um, so as a 97, hold on, let me start here. So there are rumors that the top players from this 97 group, players born in 1997, were gonna be invited to the residency 
tryout camp, which is a program in Bradenton at IMG that used to exist. And that was, but at the time it was for 96 and 97. So like, I wasn't really even, you know, set on that. I was just happy to be there and, um, you know, happy to have gotten another chance. But sure enough, I got an invite from that camp to go to this residency tryout. So now it's the top, you know, top national team players from the age groups of 96 and 97. Um, so that camp was in California during the summer of, I think, maybe two, three weeks later. Went to California, um, played well in that camp, and fortunately got invited to residency for the next year, and which is now another, a new team, new school, new area. Right. Um, at residency, I was, you know, so now within a year, I've gone from recreational to now this residency program, this prestigious <laughs> residency program where, you know, all these kids are coming from big LA Galaxy, New York Red Bull Academy, and I'm coming from Boke United, which is, I don't know, which doesn't really compare in terms of <laughs> that sense, but yeah, yeah. Uh, the heart's definitely there. Um, and so at residency, residency was a very trying time for me in my, uh, my youth career just because moving away from home, even though it's the same state, it was still four hours away. So basically just a different different area. Um, it was just, it felt almost too close, but too far. Because although like my parents were, you know, in a driving distance away, it's still a long drive. And I wouldn't be able to, you know, go in and out for a weekend because that turns into 16 hours driving for, for the parents. And so right. I, um, and I remember the first two weeks there, I remember calling my parents every day, just like, hey, I'll do whatever you want. Like, I just want to come home. Like, I'll take the dishes. I'll do the laundry. Whatever you want, just let me come home. Like, I don't, I don't want to be here. And, wow. you know, as a 14-year-old kid, looking back, obviously, you know, it's tough, and especially having that one year of high school back home and, you know, being a man and being on a soccer team. And, you know, we lost in a state championship, our semis, semifinals of a state championship, like, you know, there's things that I wanted to do and I saw my friends doing, but I, you know, didn't have a chance because I was sacrificing for something else or something bigger. So first two weeks were really tough. I had got there and I'm getting all this hype as whatever, top whatever recruit. And, but as I'm at residency, as a young center forward, I'm fifth in the, on the depth chart which means I'm not getting reps at practice. And so now I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm not even practicing anymore. Like, how am I supposed to get better if I can't even get into my practices? Because there's just guys ahead of me that, you know, there's just not enough spots for everyone to play even practice. And so I, that was a definitely a tough time for me, um, just like mentally, physically, um, adjusting to that game and being with the top 30 players in the country. And so, I mean, I put my head down. Thankfully, my parents just told me, you know, they didn't let me come home, obviously. And they, you know, told me, stick it out, just put your head down, yeah. you know, get better day by day. I continue to do that. And so I, um, by the end of it, so I was in the, I came in a, within a year, a year into the program. It's a two-year program. And so I came into it with the year in, so the year left. And I put my head down, continued to grind every day. And I was able to, 
make the qualifying roster, which is the penultimate goal, which is what you wanted, which is why people went, which is why they had it. And so I made the list for, you know, for the qualifying roster, which basically, so basically I went from the fifth forward to the second forward on the depth chart, which was a big honor for me. And like a big lesson for me that, you know, hard work pays off. And when you put your mind to it, like you can do anything you want. And so making that qualifying roster is definitely huge. I played on Fox soccer when I was, I think that's 15. We were playing games on Fox soccer. I made appearances in all three games. And so it was just a huge time for me in my career. Unfortunately, we didn't qualify for the World Cup, which was obviously a big hit. Now, I feel as if I sacrificed a year of my childhood that I won't get back for something that didn't work out. But no longer, you know, everything happens for a reason. And so um, after that year, going to my junior year, I decided, you know, it's time to come back home. Like a bunch of national team coaches wanted me to, you know, go out to some MLS academies and, you know, continue to develop. But I think the best thing for me at the time was coming back home to Boca and being with my friends and obviously being with my family and living at home. And so I came back home. I got to go to Boca High for a year. I got to play for Boca United again. Um, that was, I think, most importantly, beneficial for like my soul and just being back home and getting that energy back and feeling that love again as I'd been out and whatever chasing the dream. And so being back home, uh, you know, I had a great year. I think I flourished just because of how happy I was. And so I continued with the, continued with the national team, getting called into camps, playing really well at camps. Um, with Boca High, we lost in the state championship on penalty kicks. You know, I obviously wanted to bring a championship back home, but um, we actually won a, a state cup with Boca United. So like the club, whatever, travel soccer, state tournament, which is a really big deal at the time. Still is a big deal for me. Um, and then my senior year, I had gotten interest from Philadelphia Union Academy to, you know, ship out, leave Florida, obviously, and stay in like a, a host house with the host family and go to school, train in the mornings with the school, go to classes and then train with the academy at night. And so I did that for a year. Um, yeah, and then from there, sorry, I can keep going. <laughs> no, bro. I mean, I just, the one, the only two things that I would note there based on what you said is that this entire time you're going through youth soccer, you're so process oriented. I mean, you mentioned it yourself that you were almost disassociated from what was going on in your life because you were just kind of focused kind of day by day. And I think that's like, certainly like the end products of what you got residency opportunities to join MLS academies, youth national team appearances, youth national team goals. Those are huge, huge things. But again, what stands out to me is you weren't every day waking up being like, I'm going to score a goal for the national team. I'm going to join an MLS academy. No, you were like, how can I get better? And how can yeah. I improve? Um, day by day, yeah. Exactly. Which I think is, I think is, it's not, look, it's no surprise to me that you are where you are now, if that's been the mentality that you've had since you were five. Um, yeah. <laughs> and the other thing too, that I think was really interesting about what you said is kind of knowing what you needed, right? After going through the year of residency, being away from your family, you had opportunities to ship out and play somewhere else and be away from home. But you thought, no, the best thing for me to come is, is to come back home and be with my family and value yeah. that time, which I think like, 
at the time, I mean, was it a hard decision? Was it an easy decision? Like, cause there's all these opportunities, right? You don't want to pass up on them and miss out on opportunities to improve and develop, but also you have to like, I don't know, you want to be with your family as well. So was it, was it a decision at all? Or was it like, for sure, I'm going back home. It was, it was like 95% sure, 99% sure for me, just because I think, you know, definitely as an athlete, people tend to look at us as like superhuman and that we don't have feelings and stuff. But I think as a, on a personal level, I think that was the most important thing for me. I don't know what would have happened if I would have been at, had gone through the, through the struggles of moving away, moving into a new place, a different, different climate, different everything again. And so I think coming back home was just best for me. Yeah. In terms of, yeah, everything all around. Um, and so my, yeah, my senior year, Philadelphia, um, definitely developed as a person there. Um, looking back, it was my first introduction, it was the first time I ever saw snow in my life. Um, and now in my eighth year in the Northeast, um, that definitely helped me. Um, it, de- it helped me prepare for Maryland in terms of obviously the weather and getting used to snowball and how it is to play in the cold and yeah getting used to you know most kids when they leave for college is the first time out of the house but at this point I had been out of the house twice and so that transition to college was made much easier just because I'd already been around the block and so yeah going into I guess I can cover the recruiting part when I was being sought after by colleges I was pretty I was like I won't say I was top 10 top five recruit and so I was getting a lot of a lot of offers from a lot of big schools, um, and I narrowed it down to Maryland, Clemson, and UCLA. And you know, everyone everyone thought I was going to pick UCLA just from just from first guess and just from the opportunity. And I was obviously honored to have the opportunity, but I went to Maryland first. And on my visit, I think as soon as I stepped on the campus kind of have that gut feeling mm, that's yeah. the other thing i like preaching like you know when your gut just tells you something's right don't fight it um so i had that gut feeling and after, after i had a wonderful visit i had a dream visit and after i remember calling my parents and being like hey we can cancel a visit to other schools like i think this is a place for me wow and you know them being parents are you know of course you know take the visits check out the other places give them that respect and give them that time and, and so i did but after the visits, I made my decision solid and concrete and committed to Maryland where um, I know where I knew it was the right fit for me. Yeah. Um, was there, uh, was there yeah. any debate at all between you and your family about foregoing college and just going straight to professional? Because I'm sure there may have been opportunities for that. Or was college something that for sure you wanted to, wanted to do? Um, I think my senior year, my senior year, I kind of realized that I wanted to go to college rather be for a year or for four. I wasn't sure how long. I just knew that I wanted to at least go and kind of claim a college. Just looking back at my life, um, I feel that I feel it was the best option for me. And there's something that I kind of dreamed of going to a big school and playing for a big school and like having that on my resume. And so I was pretty decided that I wanted to. And, you know, my parents have always kind of gave me full full reign over what I do with my decisions and how I make my decisions. They haven't ever even, even forced anything upon me that 
I haven't wanted to do myself. And so I thank him for that. And yeah, so when I, I was committed to college, um, obviously the point of bringing me up to Philadelphia was for me to sign professional with them. But if it's not what I wanted to do, then it's not what I want to do. Um, yeah. They didn't get homegrown rights for me as well. It probably comes into play later. Um, yeah, so now we're going to yeah, no, I think like it would be it would be awesome just to talk about that experience at Maryland. I mean, for sure, then you guys just run to eventually being national champions in 2018. And I also just like to know, like, just culturally, like within the program, what do you think were aspects that led to or that has led to the team sort of sustained success over the last 10, 15 years? Definitely. Um, so, yeah, Maryland, I think going to my freshman year, I go, we'll start from my visit. My visit, I um my host was actually Zach Steffen at the time. He was in his second year, um, I guess, getting ready to head out. And uh, seeing him as a role model and seeing uh, the brotherhood that the guys had in the locker room kind of differed from the other places I visited or what I've heard and seen. And so you could tell the guys in the locker room were like just like brothers, like they would fight for each other until, until they couldn't. And I could tell that off my off my visit, just seeing the interactions and relationships they had. And so I definitely wanted to be a part of that. And so I committed, ended up going up there straight from Philadelphia, never went home. <laughs> I took my stuff from Philadelphia, I put it in an Uber, took it to College Park, Maryland, unloaded all my stuff and, you know, kind of declared myself that I'm here. Um, so my freshman year, uh, you know, getting used to college and the college athletics and academics and social life, obviously. It was it was a lot, but I feel like they really prepped us there. And they know that it's a it's a lot for guys to handle. And so I mean they they helped us in any way possible. And so my first, I think I think my first memories of it, it was obviously we had a we had uh, two games away at Indiana, like an invitational. Those were my first two college games. Um, I think I had scored in one against, I forget the team now, but <laughs> I scored in one and, you know, I started getting a taste of it, but, you know, this wasn't, wasn't a way, the teams we were playing weren't home either. So we played, I want to say Notre Dame and Navy or something at Indiana. And so I went from that, you know, obviously the level is a bit higher, you know, I haven't really experienced that playing bigger guys, all that. And then we went back to college park for the home opener against no other than UCLA. Um, in what's the record crowd. There's about 8,500 people there. I remember walking out as a skinny freshman walking out or even on the bus ride to the game seen a line kind of wrapping around campus and on the bus guys were like, that's for the game. Like people are trying to get in. This is like wow. halfway through campus. And, you know, so this is all happening for me. And in the meantime, you know, I don't get to enjoy it. I get to, I have to go out there and <laughs> play and perform. And so, yeah. you know, at the time I didn't even, couldn't like really absorb it. And so man, from 8,500, that's obviously the most people I ever played against are in front of at the time. Um, so we, you know, it's a big battle. There's a bunch of big names in the game. Uh, 
really good game to be a part of just to or to even <laughs> yeah to be a part of and I think it's 2-2 we score they score we score they score a few minutes left it's 2-2 we're going in overtime and uh Subasa Endo plays for Toronto now had a great play down the right side uh went down the line cut it back put a cross in I put my head on it <laughs> uh ended up going in the back of the net and the rest is kind of history you know I remember kind of almost blacking out when it happened as if it wasn't real just because of the amount of energy and euphoria that was happening you know this is my yeah. first this is like my first game <laughs> at College Park my first home game ever and so you know from there that was definitely a highlight uh freshman year went well after that I scored goals you know had a good time started developing uh most importantly as a person and as a player and then when we got to the tournament we uh we rolled a bit we i think we won two games we made it to the elite eight and the elite eight was at no other than clemson <laughs> um you know looking back it's funny how all these things kind of tie in so yeah. we're i'm at clemson um in a maryland jersey obviously and you know, they have a big crowd and we you know we fought to the end we ended up getting a red card played through overtime we'll play through the, end of the game played through overtime end up losing penalty kicks um and so that obviously hurt especially who it was that obviously hurt right. even a little more and you know i kind of took it obviously took it as um took this motivation and i was just like okay this is my first year it's my first year made to the lead eight, like, then it's gotta be coming. Like I took the experience, ran with it. Um, the team ran with it. We were a young group of guys. I came in with 10 other freshmen, you know, and six of us were starting at a point. And so definitely a young group. And so it's like, I, we did this now, imagine two years from now, imagine next year. And so next year, my sophomore year, we had, uh, we won a lot of games. We went 18-0-2. So 18 wins, zero losses, two ties to UCLA and Indiana. Uh, we were undefeated. We were number one seed. We had we got the number one ranking like maybe four or five games in. And we just held it to the end of the season, you know, feeling invincible. Had a, I think we went a full calendar year without losing a game. You know, things that, yeah, just <laughs> looking back, just wild, like, uh, just wild and just looking at any competitive season like that's tough to do um and so you know we're steamrolling just winning games feeling invincible we get to the tournament finally you know the thing that matters first uh yeah first game in the second round we played providence things are going well we're up 4-1 and all of a sudden <laughs> clock ends and we lost 5-4 within the last 20 minutes. And so, you know, it's kind of, obviously that season built us, but it's almost a waste. And you hear people say it now, but when they talk about like the Warriors and that really good season they had, like, it doesn't matter if you don't do anything then. Mm. So that's how it's kind of looked at because, you know, that, that as we look back, that season almost look, gets looked on as a failure, even though it's a remarkable season, you know, yeah. that a lot of guys would be happy to have. For sure. Um, but that result just wasn't there. 
And, you know, that's looking back, that's from a multitude of things that weren't right. But since we were winning, you know, we just kind of surpassed and didn't, you know, put it out of sight. And it only came to light when, you know, things started going bad or when things went bad. And so now we're going to my junior year, um, kind of taking a step back in terms of the goal of winning a national championship. Uh, my junior year, we started off hot. Kind of the same thing. I think we went maybe 13 or 14 games undefeated, a bunch of wins, you know, things are going well. Now it's been easily a calendar year without losing a game. And, you know, one get, we lost one game and we thought it was, you know, just going to be a little shake back. And that just kind of turned into an avalanche and we ended up losing out, I think, the next four or five games. Um, losing the first game of the Big Ten tournament, uh, losing in the first game of the actual tournament as well to an Albany side and penalty kicks. And so now it's my junior year, finish, have one more chance at it going into my senior year. And um, it definitely didn't start off well. It started off, it definitely didn't start off the other seasons either because it started off 0-2-2. Right. We had no, no goals scored for, you know, as a senior attacker, it definitely wasn't, the ideal start but kind of going back to kind of going back to what I was saying before and what I harp on before is you know day by day you know there's not much you can do about yesterday and there's nothing you can do about tomorrow and so we took that we kind of took that in stride and we just continued to work at it and continue to trust ourselves and even though we were probably the only people on that campus <laughs> that believed in us were in that locker room we just kept on doing it and eventually you know, we started um, grinding out tough results and learning how hard it is and what it takes to actually win games. And so by the end of the season, um, we, were, we were in a tough spot because we had um, we actually had the number one schedule, the hardest schedule in the country. And what that did was helped our RPI. And so just like the strength of wins and losses helped us so that we were still in um, – a shot of going to the tournament but our record wasn't the best right and so we had you know accumulated a lot of losses against really good teams and big programs and so but in order a rules in order to qualify for the tournament no matter what you have to be above 500 and i think with four games left we needed to win three in order to in order to yeah even qualify for the tournament and so i mean we took that for what it was and one big thing that I think kind of propelled us through was the, like just the love that we had for each other as people more than players. And then that obviously translated and transitioned because with that, you know, we played, we really played each game like it was our last because it really could have been. And so we, we started rolling. We won three out of four. Now we're going to the big 10 tournament, you know, with a little bit of confidence. We won the first game of the big 10 tournament and then we lost Indiana and PKs. Um, which they'll come back into the picture later. Um, so we lost some of the PKs, and now we're still a little unsure about whether or not we're going to make the tournament just because of the schedule. But um, luckily, we got in, and once we got in, I don't think there was any stopping us. We started off uh, at home. At, we played NC State. We held them to one shot against us, um, a bunch of shots for us. We beat them to zero. 
Then we went on the road to Duke, which is a big, <laughs> big, big rival. We went on the road to Duke, played them in a cold November game at their place, um, beat them 2-0 mm-hmm. as well. Um, and now we're back in the Elite Eight. You know, this is the furthest I've been in the Elite Eight. Um, in the Elite Eight, we're playing Kentucky. And it's also a big game for me because it's a big game for all of us. Um, maybe a little bit of history on it, but Sasha, my coach at Maryland, I think before us, or something he would say to us to motivate us is that he never had a group, like a class, go through four years without going to the College Cup at his time there. And so that was kind of the challenge he gave to us. He's like, well, if you guys don't make you guys are gonna be our first group since my time here to not do it. Right, so, right. I mean, we took that on the chin and we definitely wanted to prove to him that what we were made of. And so LED was a really big game. And, you know, I had a chance. Um, I had a chance that opened up down the right side, uh, took one touch, the second touch, I decided I was shooting it regardless. I ended up going to the bottom left corner. Uh, we celebrated hard and then we kind of rode that 1-0 that one result out, um, made it to, you know, qualify for the College Cup in Santa Barbara. Um, and then Santa Barbara, uh, we played Indiana in the semis, beat them 2-0. Um, and then ultimately Akron in the final and beat them 1-0. And, you know, one thing that's important to say from the, from what I've said is that, or you might have noticed is that there's no goals against which goes for a lot for any champion and anything to not have been scored on in the tournament uh, really goes for like the mindset and the culture that we locked into and that we just, we really didn't want, like I said before, we didn't want any game to be our last until, until it couldn't be anymore. And that's what kind of pushed us through to ultimately being successful in the end. Yeah, man. No, it's just, uh, it's really cool to hear you talk about it. I mean, I think like, I know you don't take it for granted, but like to end your college career as a national champion, I mean, there's just, there's one team that gets to end the year with a win yeah. or at least a meaningful win. Um, so yeah, it was just following you guys after we, we, we had, we didn't even make the tournament that year. So I was watching it like kind of bitterly, but like, yeah, like you said, you guys were so defensively solid. Uh, we're certainly playing the best, um, out of any team um so it was it was uh certainly well deserved so i guess yeah. the next thing i'm curious about is like that transition from from college soccer to the professional level and especially like you'd been as a youth soccer player highly titled national team academy opportunities highly recruited collegiately um but then when it comes to the professional level you have to go in as a trialist um mm-hmm. at at New York Red Bulls. So was there, was there any sort of disappointment or things like that? Or was it just more of like, look, this is the opportunity that I have. I'm going to go with it. And then I guess the second part is as a trialist, kind of what was your mindset um, coming in? Um, yeah. So, so we won, we won December 9th, 2018. And, you know, from that, I got an invite to the combine. So there's just something I don't know about I've got if we didn't win. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I got invited to the combine in the beginning of January, January 3rd, I believe. And so I got in 
and went to the combine in Orlando. I was training for that. I was already in pretty good shape coming off of long season. Um, but at the same time, also exhausted and, you know, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, you know, I didn't really have that time to really relax and, you know, settle and start up. I was kind of always on 100 for throughout that month. Obviously getting ready for the combine and stuff. And so I um, we're going to the combine, did decent at the combine, didn't have my best weekend, didn't have my worst weekend, just solid weekend. Um, and, you know, on the top drawer soccer, whatever, mock drafts, you know, tried not to check those, but I see my name, you know, in the second round, guys saying about in the second round, you know, things start getting to your head. I'm talking to, well, I was picking out an agent. I was talking to the guy I chose and he's telling me things and a whole bunch of things are going in my head. And I, uh, and so I, people were like want to have a draft party for me. And I was like, mm, I don't know. I don't really have that, that gut feeling about it. You know, my dream was never to be, my, my dream was never to be drafted. My dream was to play professionally. And so, I mean, I told myself before, like, no matter what happens, if I go on draft, no matter what happens, I'm my head down you know, kind of swallow it with pride and, you know, find a place and find a club for me and, you know, achieve that lifelong dream of mine. And so I we watched the first two rounds of the draft, you know, named and get called. Um, it was nice to see all my, you know, well, I guess bittersweet to see all my, you right. know, buddies getting called up in, but obviously happy for them. But unfortunately, I... Wasn't calling first two rounds, but looking back, I think that there's anyone that I would want that to be that person to be. I'd want it to be me. I'd want to be the one that, you know, kind of had to go through the trenches and really had to dig it out. Um, and so watch the first two rounds and get drafted. And then unfortunately, the the next, the third and fourth round were two days later. So there's that time of just waiting waiting um and then the third and fourth round was uh it wasn't like a an actual conference or anything it was just you know it's just names yeah refreshing and just popping up from what team's picking so i'm sitting there on my laptop refreshing 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 going through third round over okay all these names called in fourth round all the names filled in and then it kind of sets in like all right well it's official i'm undrafted <laughs> like now what yeah and so I, sort of that is, so I was with my sister on the third and fourth round and we were sitting there watching the laptop refresh, not seeing my name. And after she could see that, you know, obviously I was displeased and unhappy and she was like, you know, I don't really know what to do, but do you want to go on a drive? Clear your head, you know, sure. All right, let's do it. Get in drive, I'm going to drive, I'm getting in the car and um, I'd say maybe like 10 minutes in, 15 minutes in, we're on this drive. I'm just getting super anxious because I don't know, you know, I'm my agent telling me like, now you have to do this and that. Mm -hmm. I just get super anxious and I just tell her like, hey, you think you can turn the car around? I'm like, I just want to go to the field. I just want to go kick around. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of like a movie. Um, When I look back at it, um, I was just like, yeah, I just want to go get my stuff and go to the field, like, if you don't mind. And of course, she's like, yeah, let's do it. And as soon as I get back, as soon as I get back to the apartment and I'm like grabbing my soccer stuff, go to the field, just to like clear my head, you know, put my phone away. I get a call from New Jersey. 
and at the time I was like, this is definitely not a time for, you know, a telemarketer, or, you know, <laughs> just some random call, like, but at the same time, I kind of had that gut feeling like this might be, <laughs> this might be a phone call you want to hear. This might be something. So I pick up, it's Scott Bernstein and he's like, Hey, like, is this Sebastian? I'm like, yep. Like, yeah, who's this? And it's like, this is Scott Bernstein from New York Red Bull too. Um, you know, we like what we saw, uh, we'd like to bring you in. And then from that moment, it obviously I was a trialist, but for that moment, I wasn't a trialist in my head. I was already a Red Bull. Like there was no, there was no doubt about it for me. Mm. And so, you know, I actually went up with all my stuff. Like I went up ready to move in because I knew the train I was doing in that from the time I went undrafted, well, from from college to the time I went undrafted to the time I actually ended up to, um, ended up in Jersey, I think it was about two months. And so within that time I was training like a madman, just getting ready. And I basically, I was getting ready as to not give them any other option, but to sign me. And so I went up there full confidence now with a chip on my shoulder, the size of a bedroom. And I went up there. Yeah. With all my stuff, you know, ready to settle in, ready to call New Jersey home for however amount of time. And so when I went up there, um, you could tell that I was definitely playing with a bit of a vengeance and a bit of that hunger. And that also paid off. I got, I got signed. Um, my first year was tough. Just being, uh, you know, going from being a big man at Maryland to now being on the second team and, you know, guys coming down and from the first team and taking playing time. And so I was just fighting and fighting for any minutes and any opportunities I could get which is obviously good for me as a professional now. And um, yeah, so that first year I learned a lot. It was my first full professional season playing 10 months. And then, you know, obviously last season with COVID and stuff is a bit different, but that obviously gave both of us a bunch of experience. And um, yeah, and so, I mean, I've learned a lot in my journey. Um, and so now going into my third year, I feel even more confident and I'm taking things I've learned throughout my whole life and through my professional career that I'm trying to apply day in and day out. For sure, man. No, I definitely want to echo your sentiments. That last year was difficult in a lot of ways for us, but I think I take, I took the same kind of positives out of it that you did for sure the experience, but also there's mentally, physically, there's so much that we uh, kind of got out of it. And even though we didn't have the success that obviously the group wanted to have, I think it sets us up well to continue our careers. And I think just based on where a lot of the guys from that group have landed, if still finding continuing to find professional opportunities kind of speaks to that. Um, I guess one thing I'm curious about is like you mentioned like the family atmosphere, the brotherhood of Maryland. And I guess, did you sense like a change in expectations or relationships, be it with teammates, be it with coaching staff, be it with both um, when you transitioned from playing in college to playing professionally? Yeah. I yeah, asked a really good question. That was, it was really tough for me to, you know, now be in a different environment where, you know, everyone's not lovey-dovey. People are in it more for themselves than mm -hmm. ever. Obviously, Maryland's a big program, and everyone has professional aspirations, but it was really uh, – obviously, our coach did a great job of managing that, but it was a team-first mentality. Right. And so in the professional ranks, no matter what, that's not necessarily going to be the case. And so, um, 
yeah, definitely helped me mature and develop as a person, just realizing that, you know, finding the balance between it. I still, I still think, you know, I, I'm definitely not going to change who I am, you know, winning games is the most important thing to me. And I think then from there, like personal, personal goals will come from that. And I think, but when, if, if everyone's committed to winning, then, you know, the other things come, just come with it. And so addressing to that was definitely, was definitely a teaching moment. Um, Just how, I don't want to say cutthroat it is, but it is cutthroat just, you know, results are based on performances and if you're not performing, they'll find a guy, <laughs> they'll easily yeah. find a guy that will, or this, yeah. you know, 15 year old kid <laughs> biting at your heels to yeah. come and take your spot. And so, you know, it's definitely a dogfight in the professional ranks, but I enjoy it. And, you know, it's what we signed up for. For sure. A hundred percent, man. Um, I guess I'd, l- I'd love to dive in a little bit to sort of your process in season. What are some things that you like to do before training, after training? I mean, having played with you last year, I have a little bit of a sense of it, but I think for the listener, um, it'd be cool if you could kind of shed light on all the kind of the extra stuff that you're doing um, that you feel like prepares you well to, to compete at a high level. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, every day out of bed, just, yeah, straight out of bed, I like to uh, I like to just FOMO my back and kind of get the night out um a little bit of a stretch I pray um and obviously do my hygiene and get ready for whatever the day has for me and then um in terms of like at the actual PAX facility obviously before I get a breakfast in no matter how that's how that works and then um at the PAX facility I like to you know stretch for a bit um kind of mentally prepare myself for the training and what's about to happen. Um, stretch, hang out with, you know, kind of chat up with the guys and get yeah. kind of personal with them and, you know, talk about what they're like to, whatever they wanna, whatever the topic of the day is, chatting with them definitely helps me um, get, in the mo- like get in the zone for whatever it is. And then, you know, maybe hop on a bike, just get my body warm, which helps my, you know, mind get warm as well. And then from there, you know, from there, really go out on the field and kind of give it a mile. For sure. For sure. And I think other things that you're doing after training consistently, I can remember like, for instance, last year, like Seba is always trying to get like extra finishing work in to the point where I'd be like wiped from training and be like, Seba, man, I'm sorry. I can't, I literally can't walk. Um, and in which case you'd be like, okay, fine. And then you just set up some dummies in the goal and, and, and just and, and still work, um, still work anyway. But are there ways that you try and just kind of like hone that time so that you're getting like the maximum out of, like the physical exertion that you're putting through? Because obviously there's a limit on how much you can work physically each day, especially building up towards matches. I guess kind of what are your strategies for that? Um, and I just like, obviously from a young age, it's kind of been instilled in me. I instilled in myself that that hard work pays off. And so a lot of the time, sometimes I get in moments where, you know, I can't, I'm kind of in awe of what happened and I don't really realize what happened. And I don't really know how I pulled off a goal or how I got a shot in there. And it comes from, you know, the hard hours and the extra reps. And so that's like one thing that I really like to get in. Obviously the finishing after practice, you know, helps, helps in, you know, when you're shooting on either a spare, like a, a goalie or 
shooting on mannequins or anything open net just getting that routine and the pattern is also beneficial for when you're in that big game and you have a millisecond to get off a half chance you know the things coming to order and so um i think finding the balance between um being an athlete and being a person is definitely important for me and so one thing that i'm kind of developing as you know i learn and go throughout the professional ranks is having a time to obviously dedicate and devote myself to my craft and then having a the time to get away from it and not be a soccer player and be a human being helps me kind of get my mind off things and helps ease my mind and benefits me when I am playing. And so I think like for me, I like almost being a different person at the facility than when I am at home in terms of, you know, work ethic and what I'm focusing on. And though when I get home, obviously doing the extracurriculars, like watching film and whatever else needs to be done on the extra side, but then having some time to just get away and, you know, focus on things that aren't soccer. For sure. No, I think that mental compartmentalization that you kind of talk about is, is really key because I think if you're all in on anything, whether that's your work, whether that's your sport, whether that's your school, eventually that just becomes unsustainable. Um, yeah. So it's cool to hear how you sort of separated um, even separated yourself in terms of look, this is who I am when I'm on the field. I, that's a totally different person. I can be a totally yeah. different person when I'm at work versus when I'm at home. Um, yeah. yeah, I've definitely had, I've had people, you know, I've had friends kind of comment on it, like how I kind of go into a zone when I'm on the field that it is almost a different person. It's not, it's, it's obviously genuine. It comes from just what happens when, you know, I lace over a pair of boots, but um, I'd say I'm a pretty, relaxed and calm guy in you know and kind of a quiet almost <laughs> shy guy off the field and then on the field it kind of turns into the opposite and that's just how I know this is how I play and this is what happens you know it's not you know there's nothing wrong with that as well it's just it's just who I am yeah no I think just knowing yourself and giving yourself space to be what seems like is the authentic version of yourself is uh, something that's really stood out to me from from hearing you talk about your your sort of mental processes so I guess as we get close to wrapping things up I gotta ask about like the off season so knowing you knowing you I know you love to train I know I know you love to grind I know you love the game but what's your kind of your process for taking time off for resting your body um, and does it ever feel like you're kind of at odds with look, I really would rather be training than taking time off, but you know, like maybe you, you got to give your body a little bit of a break. Yeah, no, I mean, um, the off season is definitely a, a fun and weird time in a professional soccer player's life just because at a point of it, especially in the beginning of it, you're supposed to not be playing. Like that's what you're, that's the best thing for you. Mm -hmm. um, just being able to refresh and revitalize everything, you know, your body, more importantly, your mind kind of getting out of that competitive doggy uh, dog nature. And so um, the, I mean, I guess the past two seasons have been different, but um, usually I like to take minimum like a one, two week break. I would say like a two week break usually. I'm just completely off, no cleats, no fitness, no anything, no working out, just kind of enjoying life and being a human being and then from there kind of start working back into it into just you know playing around getting touches 
you know, juggling with friends, going to the field maybe a bit and just kind of kicking around, nothing serious training wise. And I'll say maybe about a, a week of that. And then it starts to kind of gradually build into, you know, like dedicated training and then improving and um, really perfecting my craft. And are there things that you try and identify about your game that you try to be really intentional about improving over the off season, or do you take more of like a holistic approach to, to, to boosting your game? Uh, I'd say a little bit of both. Definitely a little bit of both definitely help uh, benefits me in terms of um, like going back home. I usually, I always go back home to South Florida and uh, I try and like train with the same people I've been training with since I was a kid. And so um, getting a bit of that kind of South Florida flair, I would say, because it's a melting pot. And so there's a whole bunch of cultures and stuff and being able to play with different guys and just playing like pickup and um, playing pickup and mainly playing with my old teammates kind of helps me come back to, you know, how it started. And then from that, um, on the other side, as well as, you know, working on areas I do want to improve and like certain shots, you know, weak foot, certain areas and dribbling and stuff. And so, yeah, just a bit of both. Gotcha. Gotcha. And I guess the last thing I've got for you is if there's somebody out there listening, who's kind of in that position that you found yourself in as like a freshman or even a sophomore in, in high school, like what would be the, I guess, biggest piece of advice that, that you'd have for them? Um, biggest piece of advice would be to focus on the present and focus on what you can control because that's all you can control. And so instead of, you know, looking to the future and worrying and being anxious about, you know, playing time and games and, you know, everything that comes with life, I think just focusing on the day that you're in and just giving your best to it is the best advice I could give to you. For sure. For sure. That's really well said, man. And Seba, thanks so much for your time and, and sharing your story. This has been uh this was an, it's been awesome for me to hear. And I think uh, the listener is going to have that same experience as well. So thanks so much, bro. Sure. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the separation is in the preparation podcast. If you found it valuable, please do what you can to share it with others. As always, you can find us on Instagram at the sep is in the prep, or if you'd like to reach me directly, I can be found on all social media channels under the handle at wallapps11. Thanks and take care.